housing is just a prime example of market failure in the current system that we have in that everything is, is a market. Everything is uh, you know, for sale. People in society are suffering because of that. Welcome to the second episode of the New Economy Network Australia, Nina, podcast. My name is Anna Garnock, and every few weeks I have the privilege of interviewing all sorts of interesting folks that are a part of Nina, Australia's largest multi-sectoral network of innovators, changemakers and advocates working for an ecologically sound and socially just economy. Today we will be interviewing Gary Claridge, the co-op secretary of Nina. Gary is an extremely experienced business systems analyst and software developer. Think database design, econometrics, web applications, JavaScript, and really all things IT. Alongside his paid work though, Gary has volunteered as part of many boards and committees of various community organizations, including a number of cooperatives, such as, of course, Nina. With an interest in civil rights and social action, economic empowerment, environment, human rights and poverty alleviation, not to mention rugby, yoga, and skydiving, Gary has a rich collection of personal, professional, and community-based experiences that together make him a really great fit for the co-op secretary role of Nina. So let's get chatting to him. <laughs> thanks, Anna. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Good morning, Gary. How are you going? <laughs> oh, pretty good, thanks. Up here in sunny Queensland. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I'm envious. It's rainy down here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for the second episode of the Nina podcast. Great. Thanks. I wanted to just firstly check in. Uh, you said you're going great up in sunny Queensland. Uh, I'd love to hear a bit more about um, seeing as this is the first time we've met, just a bit more about you and how you've been, especially with this year of COVID and lockdowns and all sorts of unpredictable changes. How are you feeling emotionally, physically, mentally and in general? Yeah, it's, well, it's a very interesting question because sometimes I think, okay, how am I going? And, um, and believe it or not, even sometimes in our total of 11 days lockdown here this year, um, we, um, I sort of enjoyed, to a certain extent, you know, you could go down to town and get a car park and you couldn't sit in a cafe and have a coffee, but you could get a coffee and hide in a park somewhere or that sort of thing. So uh, in one way, that that was pretty fine, but Obviously, you know, the, our local businesses and uh, the like were, were, were suffering uh, from that. So um, they, they were interesting times during, during our very short lockdowns. Um, but other than that, um, we're living life fairly normally, but you're still aware. You know, you're still aware if we wear a mask inside or if near other people or, you know, watching the numbers as well, the daily numbers, you know, how are we going and, even for us, though, getting one is a, you know, a, a um, bit of a worry, a bit of a concern, and uh, I hope they don't come up to the Sunshine Coast, you know, stay down there in Brisbane. <laughs> and um, so a little bit, yeah, you're still a little bit worried, a bit concerned, and um, but also feeling of um, empathy with, um, you know, Sydney and Melbourne as well and, and what's happening there. So, yeah, sort of mixed feelings. I, I think, um, yeah, yeah, real concern and worry about, our future totally and um yeah our interconnections and and how we can maintain those and um in, in a healthy 
uh, way. Yeah. yeah, totally understand. It's, a, it's such a funny mix, isn't it, of feeling both kind of almost territorial and protective of our lands, our, our little area to not get cases mm. and also deeply empathetic with other parts of this nation because we do all yeah. share it. We have friends and family everywhere. So, yeah. yeah. So from looking at your bio, it's evident that you've worked in business systems analysis and software development for decades on behalf of both government and private entities. Mostly private, uh, yeah. yeah. Mostly private, great. Yeah. Uh, can you share with us, not necessarily the details of your work, but more so, I guess, your reflections and learnings from your experience of working so extensively in this IT world? Yep, sure. Um, yeah, so, so some of the reflections are mostly um, trying to work with um, what can I do to help small business? And you see people struggling, you know, in small businesses with all this overload of administration they have to do and, um, you know, compliance and all that sort of thing. And um, so I'm continually thinking about, okay, what, you know, what can you do? What tools can you make? How can you do it? How can you make it affordable? And uh, as well for, for people to um, make their lives a bit better as business owners and small or small business owners. So um, they probably, you know, some of the some of the things that have come out from me is that you know, thinking about that and and how to have business flow a bit better, small business, uh, particularly considering I think um, small business is our biggest employer in, in the country, and regardless of what some corporations are trying to impress upon us you know small business is the biggest employer and um so you know how do you how do you work to that how do you make things better and um yeah so they're probably the reflections in that in that manner but also um chasing technology too you see um in in here in Mulaney each Thursday a heap of IT people meet up for lunch because there's a lot of IT development here we've, we've almost been thinking of naming it Silicon Hills and um so, um, and, you know, and, and you have all sorts of interchanges, particularly technology. You see a lot of people uh, work out at home offices. We also have shared working spaces. And this is only a small town, so it's uh, pretty amazing what we have here. And, um, and so the interchanges that go on, you see some, some guys, I might say younger guys, but uh, come in, they're talking about some new technology, this and that. And I'm sort of uh, rolling, starting to roll my eyes a lot more. I think, oh, no, you know. Going to try and learn this and learn that, but why? It still keeps coming back to the basics of um, software development and um, sort of software engineering, the, the styles and types, and um, still information, still data, and, and uh, as much as you want to put a fancy name on some new fancy-looking uh, uh, technology that really does nothing more than what we're doing 20 years ago. Um, so um, yeah, so there's that, sort of a couple of the reflections on of what I'm doing and sort of how and why and what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's interesting when I was reading your bio, I must admit I was puzzled because I was like, this guy has done so much interesting IT work and yet his community work is all with namely cooperatives. So I was wondering, I wonder if there's a connection there and if so, what it is. But in a way you've kind of just answered that partly in that a huge part of your reflections and learnings and, and, and your interest is in, I guess the smaller guys, smaller businesses and co-ops mm. are very much localised, small, in a way operating for services. So how does your background in IT cross over 
with your work in cooperatives and can you tell us a little bit about your work in cooperatives? Yeah, sure. The, the crossover is um, looking at business systems, you know, as a systems analyst, um, uh, well, business, you, you know, you design systems and you look at ways systems work and you particularly, well, particularly information in systems or, or energy and effort in systems. And um, so just looking for the, those efficiencies and even, uh, you know, part of uh, information technology is not just a computer. It's uh, could be a, a clipboard and, and a pen and what information you're collecting and, and how you use that information, whether you add this to that or multiply this by that and uh, how, you, how you work out a profit or a turnover or whatever is not necessarily on a, an electronic computer. It's um, so information systems and, and business systems are, are based on what, what's, what's real. And um, so, and hence working uh, with cooperatives, um, I, I think I've been able to contribute a bit more about some efficiencies in, um, in how we organize and how we do things. And much of the, legislation is trying to turn a cooperative into us uh have have a real uh, corporate field and and, and um, structures but um i've been trying to work on the on the concept that um that's just just one view into into a uh, cooperative or or an enterprise you know a community owned or uh, social enterprise and um and and so in um the early days of object oriented um programming or, or design you we would um there was a thing called an interface where you would have an interface into a class or an object and and you could have different interfaces depends on who was looking at that particular um uh, object and um so i was thinking about that's the way you know we we could organize how we need to organize maybe based on sociocracy principles or, or or something similar to that and um but still have the outer looking window or the interface being satisfying the needs of um, legislation and regulations. And um, so I think that's sort of, I've been trying to, you know, yeah, putting some of that, that in, into um, to my efforts and energies into when, when we set up and design or, or yeah, strategic planning and that sort of thing or advice to managers. That's what I'm, I'm hoping to contribute in, in that, context yeah good on you that's really valuable input i imagine um so so why specifically out of anywhere that you could have gone and put your extra man hours so to speak because <laughs> it's voluntary right you work in, in yeah. community yeah so why is it specifically that you reached out you you have reached out to cooperatives what makes cooperatives special and appealing to you well, um, yeah, because they're part of my community. So I was thinking, um, basically, I, I'm using a cooperative. Let's say it was the um, a bar. We had a bar and a restaurant cooperative here in Mulaney and uh, or next door, the health food store. And, and I use the, the services and facilities. And, um, and, and you see people, you know, volunteering there. You know, it could be just, you know, washing dishes or something like that or packing bags or that sort of thing. Um, in the food cooperative but um so when it came you know time to uh well agm times come around and looking for directors and and that sort of thing so i don't know someone talked me into it first off so uh all <laughs> <laughs> uh, right i'll have a go and and, I, and 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 some of my study areas and of course 
being a systems analyst, of course, looking at financial reports and how uh, businesses, you know, report and manage information and data. And, and so, and even in my study, I've had to study um, uh, some basic accounting to, to support those, those design um, uh, ideas and um, analysis and, uh, and, and of course, economics, microeconomics. And um, so, uh, yeah, I had some NAS on on that that side of things as well. So how could we put that together, and how could I help that? And 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 of course, understanding you know balance sheets and etc. And and um, the finances. So um, so I, I felt I could contribute those ways and um, help out there. So so I wasn't feeling um, you know phony, so to speak, um, doing it. So um, and, and having been, I guess, having been an army officer too, I, I um had supposedly had um, some management uh, capabilities or skills. And um, so just even contributing then to the systems and of, of management and control in, in, a, in, a, in a functioning enterprise. So yeah, um, yeah that's what I thought I could contribute uh, or how I even got sucked in, so to speak, <laughs> to, <laughs> uh, to doing it. And, and I've enjoyed it, you know, being part of the community too, you know, and, and feel like you're really contributing in community. Um, and, and it's where I live. So it's the people I live with and in a smaller town, you, you do, you see people more often and yeah, interact with those people more often. And um, so that building that, that, that community strength, uh, I think was a part of it and, and, just yeah feeling a part of that yeah and supporting that supporting that that feeling yeah totally that's a nice yeah. marrying of having skills that you can contribute you can walk the walk yeah <laughs> um, yeah you're not a fraud <laughs> and, yeah. and supporting you know whether they were the bar or the food cooperatives that you actually participate mm. in and you benefit from and you you go to and you see the volunteers so that community um, mm. So in the first episode, we interviewed Michelle and she did give a little run over of essentially what cooperatives are and how they operate. Could you give us in a nutshell with your experience, um, how you define a cooperative? Sure. Um, well, firstly, just acknowledging that cooperatives can be quite diverse in, in um, what they are and what they represent and their goals and, and, and aims. Um, but generally a cooperative is um, basically um, an enterprise perhaps that, that, um, uh, that where people contribute for a, a common outcome so that um, they, they'll co yeah, cooperate by, by joining it or by shopping somewhere or participating in some ways and uh you know ranging from say a workers cooperative where everyone works for that to that towards that business and or even just a uh a cooperative like the in in Mulaney here uh, the Maple Street cooperative which is a food cooperative it's a fairly big uh, cooperative on the main street main street uh, trading you know turns over a million couple million dollars a year or a few million dollars a year that sort of thing and um so, and just being a member, you just like a frequent shopper in some ways. So, uh, but you're supporting the, the cooperative by, by even just shopping there. But we do have a lot of other people contributing by being producers and, and that sort of thing. So, so that's sort of a range. So one cooperative I was 
in uh, it was a community um, solar planning cooperative, and um, and so that was basically a workers' cooperative with about ten people, and we all um, you know contributed so towards um, trying to you know, get some projects going, basically. So that's sort of one end of the scale. We had workers' cooperatives. Um, so yeah, and people just work together um, to help each other. You know, supports even if it's me trying to get more work it's great to work with some other people to try and create that work too so so it's cooperative in that sense and as i gave the other example with the um with the, with the food store you know it's um just even if you're just buying from from the food store you know, it's cooperating for that locally owned business um so that's how I, yeah so therefore i see um cooperatives as enriching um economic opportunities for uh, for people in, in in a community or in communities and um and even contributing towards um, um uh things that might be unaffordable for just single uh, a person on their own you know so that you know you, you sort of uh yeah and in fact that was the reason the the maple street cooperative was was formed in the i think it was early uh, 1980s was that um people in Mullaney, it was the hippies and the farmers. And it was the, uh, in Mullaney then, it was uh, the hippies wanted to have, you know, mung beans and, and organic foods and all that sort of stuff. And it couldn't get them. So basically, you know, they got together and formed this cooperative to get food, that sort of food in, rather than steak and stuff from the uh, local butchers. And, and um, so, um, and, and it's a pure sense of, you know, how that works so they could go, maybe a truck to Brisbane once a week or, you know, ute to Brisbane once a week and boxes of organic flour or this or that and rice and things. And, you know, so, um, so yeah, you can see therefore then they, you know, people were cooperating to make, well, life, their, their well-being, improve their well-being in, in the community. And um, so I see that that's what cooperatives are and how they can, yeah, work together and people can work together to achieve, uh, certain goals without um, uh, yeah, someone trying to you know, do better than everyone else, basically. Yeah. 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 It's not a form of competition at all necessarily. Mm. It's, yeah, it's a wholesome space that provides things that the mainstream maybe don't always provide. Yeah. Yeah. Like mung beans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would have been right there with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So back to you with your roles in cooperatives, I guess at some point in time you became a part of Nina. Can you tell us a bit about how you got involved in Nina and why? Sure. Um, my, yeah, some of my, my study is in economics and um, so for quite a lot of years I've, you know, been, uh, you know, a, an observer and student continuing student of, of economics and uh, and particularly, you know, in, in being motivated by, again, talking about cooperatives and how social enterprises and people work together and improving the economic quality or well-being within a community. And uh, so, um, so, and I'm also a member of the uh, International Society of Ecological Economics. So um, just even extending from there and looking at other um what other people were doing and and, and uh, a number of people were going in similar direction or the same direction but 
it's just slightly different ways of doing things. And I, you know, saw Nina and, and a couple others and, and thought, oh, yeah, look, look, be a part of all of these if I can. And uh, so in some way, you know, even if it's just lurking and reading emails and occasional webinar or something like that. And, uh, and uh, it's all interesting and it's all gaining knowledge and, and contributing then back into community. And um, I've been a member of Nina for a few years, I guess couple of years two or three years and um well i attended the agm the zoom agm last year and uh i don't know sometimes that's a mistake attending <laughs> AGMs, but um <laughs> and, uh, and i think it was after that so uh might have been michelle or someone asked me if i wanted to be the cop secretary and and um i said yeah they really needed one so um oh uh, yeah it couldn't be hard because i'm, I'm experienced with co-ops and regulations you know governing constitutions and various state regulations so right i'll do it <laughs> well which is fine you know yeah and, and 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 i do enjoy being a part of that and um yeah contributing where i can and and uh that sort of thing yeah yep <laughs> uh it's so interesting isn't it that can't resist you know it's another thing on your plate but you know it's an important thing and it's um you know valuable <laughs> yeah so yeah you took the plunge yeah. and you said yes yeah yeah and, and of course you know just um supporting uh some great work you know i've attended some great webinars and listened to people and read you know documents and and, and uh, articles and stuff like that and, and love it and yeah keep it going so again you know okay time for me to contribute something as well yeah. so another motivation yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah I really understand that wanting to be part of this thing that everyone is to come are coming together on their own accord using their own time and energy so it is this collective movement that takes nothing else but initiative that's right yeah is that giving back I think yeah 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 so since the since the AGM last year and you signed up to this role what have you done within Nina this year um well but basically yeah attend board meetings um and um that's the main thing and just 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 being up on the constitution and rules and things and and so just just advising what we can do particularly agm coming up now again and you know what 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 are the um what timings do we have to do what we have to do and who who to but um and just just sort of advising on that whereas others um yeah Brom and Michelle doing a heap of work on that that area and um but and, but even during the board meetings I still contribute I'm still feel um, invited and a part of all that and, and so yeah contributing during those meetings for thoughts and ideas and and just um yeah yeah reflecting back if people want reflection on proposals and that sort of thing so um and even yeah, putting in from my experience in cooperatives as well. So I felt a part of the board, even though technically I'm not a board member. But and I, and I was always felt welcome and invited and um, a part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's really nice, super inclusive. It sounds like a lot of behind the scenes work, uh, collaborating and working together to mm -hmm. really define things or move forward. What are you kind of hoping to see in the co-op space within Nina now and into the future? Sure. Yeah. Look. Look. Um, I think um, the um, continual um, sharing of, of knowledge 
you know, identifying, networking people, networking uh, people with knowledge and sharing with others and, and interchange of knowledge. So trying to um, host that or, you know, and um, encourage that and somehow support that in many ways and just keeping that direction in regards to, um, to uh, community well or economic well-being for community and, and uh, for, for all people, not just some people. And um, that was, I think, a key is that um, well-being for all people and, and not only people, of course, and um, our supporting environment, which, which supports us. So trying to um, keep that direction and, and connection and understanding that and trying to... Um, promote and yeah promote um those concepts and, and knowledge supporting those those concepts and that's important having that knowledge and that that understanding and confidence that what you're doing is, is right i suppose and even though right is a funny word but in a way but 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 it's right in in uh trying to achieve well-being for as as broad as you can and um so i think that's for me is uh Nina's role is, is basically being uh, orchestrating uh, and, and and sort of being holding holding the energy, holding the to be able to help and connect people to do that. Yeah, yeah big time. I see it like that as well. It's kind of this um this big web that we were all in the web already, but now it's connecting all the people and the parts together to create yeah. one yeah. one web. Yeah. So I'm new to Nina and still also wrapping my head around how it all works. Yeah. I'm slowly but surely starting to understand more and more what happens on the ground. Can you give me an example of within the co-op hub, have you had conversations with people in that hub um, about what they're doing? And if so, what does that look like? Uh in a tangible way like where do those conversations go and and how do you kind of facilitate them and what's the kind of end goal like is it to work together or is it more helping other people work on their own individual things or promoting more education yeah I'd like to know how that works okay well I haven't done much on on the Pacific uh, co-op hub this year because I end up doing the co-op secretary job rather than the co-op hub work but um so so you know in in that i guess um that board and uh, strategic decision making group um you know just just helping playing there but then when it comes to the actual cooperative hub there, there probably hasn't been that much activity this year and i'd like to now that i'm a bit more familiar with um the the workings um and that's probably, yeah, you're saying you're trying to work out how it works. And that's probably, yeah, same here. <laughs> but that's what I'm getting better, yeah, getting better at trying to work it out. And, and, but I also think it's up to us too to work out how we're, get, we're going to make it work and, and cooperating to do that. But certainly, um, yeah, the cooperatives hub probably need to, um, myself or anyone else who wants to try and lift that again and get that uh, working a bit more as to, even um, identify who, who the list of contacts are, the, the initial people want to be involved. And um, even just, again, uh, in, in even just the basic sense of exchanging ideas and um, information and knowledge. And, 
and then trying to um, set some sort of goals. To, okay, well, how can we, or what can we do then to improve um, knowledge or general knowledge or even capabilities of uh, cooperative enterprises or cooperative groups? So, um, yeah, and I see that that's what I, I would like to um, get, become more involved again now in, in that cooperative hub and do that. Whereas I say for the last year, I've been doing the, sec the co-op secretary work. I haven't really had much uh, time and energy into the actual hub because uh, I've also been doing it as well with other organisations here and, and in particular, um, I'm now the chair of a board of an independent school. So um, as well, since so taking time. So, and it's based on a cooperative type principles as well. So um, they're sort of the things that I've been involved with, but yeah, I really need to um, be more involved and try and uh, work that cooperative hub, the Nina cooperative hub as well. And yeah, um, yeah. so I was a bit lacking there, but I need to, um, yeah. And I'm still intent on doing more in there and trying to get people to collaborate collaborate yeah. and cooperate yeah <laughs> and I mean you know it's so understandable you're you're reasonably really fresh there you haven't even been there a year yet and I find that well, in my experience the first year of any new role is just figuring it all out and yeah. then you kind of be familiar and actually assert yourself and also sorry for putting you on the spot because that was actually more so showing my ignorance in all its glory in that I just assumed that the secretary role as part of the exec committee committee although it's high level I just assumed that there was maybe um that you relayed that information or you're part of the hub but actually you're not you you're very much part of the the exec committee and then yeah. with time you can collaborate with hubs but that's not necessarily your role so that's more my yeah. bad assuming that yeah okay. yeah oh no that's fine that's understandable too and and because I actually did uh, acknowledge at the AGM that I'd be interested in, in doing some work with the co-op hub and oh. um, but it was a couple of weeks later when I think it was Michelle approached me about being the co-op secretary then I saw the energy went there and then yeah. and um, I thought well like, you know like a, a hub or a co-op is more than one person so hopefully if that energy will fill in if I'm not putting it in this year but I'll learn more about it and hopefully I can and contribute more so so that's sort of where or how the organizational structure uh fits in i think yeah in a, yeah. In a simple in a simple description yeah so um so the hubs are uh uh a bit more independent and um function yeah that way yeah yeah cool that makes sense great yeah. in your role as a secretary have you found any challenges coming up against this high-level approach to cooperatives? No, not really. Have, no, it's probably the the high-level approach. Um, you, you still need some visioning and still need some um, uh, ways of uh, helping sort of form an umbrella to help and, and uh, nurture or even create the environment for, for those sorts of uh, groups to to thrive or grow and thrive. So, so you do need some high level um, um, assistance perhaps to, if, let me put it that way, um, or umbrella approach to, uh, 
to to get them going and and even hold space for them so um that's how i see it and i haven't seen any restrictions yet or, or um limitations through that yet there are there are rules <laughs> and um to um to what constitutes a hub and how it should be functioning or or you know there's not too much in the way how it should be functioning but there are some limitations and uh they're, they're not too bad it's fairly yeah 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 fairly um fairly good fairly liberal yeah in that sense yeah <laughs> are you part of kind of defining these structures of what the hubs can do how independent and how much i guess accountability they have and if so what does that look like for them or is that not part of your role um part of it yeah partially um partially um defining you know the um the the yeah what, what a hub uh, would need to do to be considered a hub yeah. uh which is not a great deal um but then the hub, it's up to them, uh, people to cooperate within a hub to, to work out what they're going to do, what their planning is. But there are some requirements to be considered a hub and they might be certain, so many um, you know, webinars or something a year or a couple of work, one or two workshops a year and this and that and so many people, et cetera, to be a part of that, to, to have hold that, that hub as being... Um, a hub <laughs> and um yeah so uh so it's not too bad um it's always being cooperative too you know feedback is great so people wanting to be a hub or part of a hub let's 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 cooperate and, and uh or collaborate and cooperate on what that what a hub should be and what it should look like and how it should function you know and and that can be dynamic too and depending on the the people who are, who are you know within the hub and contributing to the hub and it might change or might be need for change. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being dynamic and changeable and, and even trying to build that into to, um, the, the guidelines. Let's call them guidelines rather than rules to, to how a, a hub can exist and, and be nurtured or umbrellaed by, by Nina, the, 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 the whole Nina organisation. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that there's both a bit of a structure but also flexibility to move within it and expand and grow and actually think outside the box and maybe take risks, but also have some guidance and kind of direction. Yeah. Um, if you were to meet somebody that didn't know about Nina, was interested in co-ops, maybe is a part of a co-op, maybe not. How would you, what would be your pitch for joining the co-op hub? What's, what value can the co-op hub add to their life? Um. Yeah, it, well, it could be uh, in, in one of a couple of ways. One is that, for example, some people around here who would be just love to contribute their knowledge over, you know, 30, 40 years of cooperatives and um, actually living them, you know, and, and, and I mean living them. There's, there's, there's housing cooperatives here, been here for 30, 40 years, and, um, you know, wow. people live in those, those, those cooperative communities. And um, mm. so uh, that's one way. Other way is that, they were uh, people in those sorts of situations would also love to learn from others and meet others and exchange information that way and um and even just just you know pass on the lessons learned so um and that's that's in uh so that i'm just thinking about it around here um but also one thing that's been on my mind for years is how could some some perhaps some young people just get out of school wanting to 
build a software application, you know, the latest, mm. greatest game or something. And mm. um, how could they, they form a group to work together? You know, mm. what's available? How, how could you advise them? And so therefore, uh, not only just advising them, but, but even having them contribute or even saying, well, the regulations, the law might need to change to help those, those sort of people get together and, and be protected by the law and, and, um, and, and also tools and, and, and facilities and services to, to create a business and, and to um, run with a business as such. And, um, so I think that's where, um, say, for example, Co-op Hub could be um, and how I could uh, encourage people to be a part of that hub because of you know, those potential outcomes. Yeah, I can see it as so valuable for anybody of any age. You don't necessarily have to be young, um, but maybe wanting to upskill or try something new and just feeling fresh to it. There's just, it's this great place of people with experience that are willing to share their knowledge mm -hmm. and support each other. Yep. That's pretty special to have an avenue like that and not feel so alone, I suppose. Mm -hmm. This is a little question I ask all guests and it's just can you tell me your opinion about what's wrong exactly with our economic system our global economic system and mm -hmm. why do you think we need to build a new well-being economy <laughs> well I did read uh Ross Gunner's um uh reset earlier this year and um and he, he, yeah he outlined some pretty good stuff in relation to um you know what he thinks should should happen uh, in the future to post pandemic, and um, so even um, such things as you know uh, housing is just a prime example of um, and uh, of market failure, and um, in, in the current system that we have, in that everything is is a market, everything is uh, um, you know for sale, and um, and this has come from uh, you know hundreds of years ago in um, the concept of enclosure. And even Thomas Paine talks about that and forecasts the problems of enclosure. And um, which is, you know, private property, basically, or, or the excess of private properties. And I'm not saying anything against private property, you know, it's fine, but the excess of private property and land, particularly land. And um, so, you know, that that's an example of, um, uh, to me, of a, a, a massive market failure where the society, people, people in society, uh, are suffering because of that. Um, um, you know, the free market in housing, basically, or land. Um, so that's that's one area. Another one is um, uh, universal basic income, having something like that. And again, Thomas Paine, uh, well, well, Ross Gurner talks about it almost a whole chapter to it in in reset, but um, even back to being Thomas Paine and, and associating that with land and how he was talking about how land was taken from the people and, and you know, fenced up and became ownership, so to speak. And, uh, and, and so he was saying one of the, um, or suggesting one of the, um, uh, one way to, to fix that or, or to, uh, you know, uh, alleviate that was to, to pay every person money. And this is how long Thomas Paine was a couple hundred years ago, and um, you know, pay pay people money. It was almost a basic universal 
universal basic income. You know, he was preaching then, so um, as a um, you know, as a payment for taking your land, you know, or taking open land away, and um, so you know, there's some of yeah. I guess um, what else could we look at? So yeah, basic housing, but but also um, finance, how that works as well, and some of the thoughts for housing might be that um, we um, have simple interest loans rather than the compounding interest loans where people probably paying and told twice the amount of what it, what it was and uh, simple interest loans and, and why not the government uh, do the government being a, a currency issuer um, and of course obviously can afford that so um, providing um, finance and simple interest loans for people to purchase housing um, and it it does mean to say that um, you know that the high end of housing does not need to. It can exist in you know free market and go for it and pay millions, millions of dollars for houses. And so yeah, not, I'm not saying stop that and do that. But when it comes to um, uh, most people and their needs and, and sort of stable housing is, is yeah, we need to think a bit different there. So um, again, these are sort of tying in. I'm talking about basic income, housing ownership, and and uh, and, and finance, and, and how we we can uh, use finance better rather than um, the the way it's used at the moment. Um, so there are a couple of the um, couple of thoughts and ideas on on um, you know ways or, or what we need to do in in, uh, in improving our economy and. Um, and, and, and our well-being, you know, is a whole holistic well-being. Mm. And uh, so a few more, yeah, I'll probably mm. keep going on some of these. <laughs> but, um, but I think they're the main ones that irk me the most, probably. Yeah, yeah. and it's that, that lack of um, being able to create a, a good stable home because you, yeah. you have that place, you know, and, and that land and that place or and uh, a freedom to wander too and... Um, but also, you know, you, you still have, you know, we're, we're a rich country in that, in, in one way, in that we do have uh, food and water and, and that sort of thing in, in reasonable abundance. But um, so therefore, you know, sharing and uh, caring <laughs> is uh, probably, uh, to, you know, to a certain degree, is really important and, and, and makes us all feel feel good and feel better and uh, particularly those with empathy for others <laughs> some that probably aren't i don't have empathy but uh i think most of us do and uh yeah yeah so um that's the way i would start to look at uh, improving our economy and our and, and our well-being yeah and i mean you know you just touched on some of the key issues that we're currently facing uh generationally mm. i know yeah too much about how challenging it is now for me to potentially buy a house one day mm. so you're not necessarily against the free market economics you're not saying that that's that we need an overarching huge systems change but more so that we need to tweak parts of our economic system to be more equitable more fair more accessible for things like land is that kind of your philosophy yeah that, that's right and, and we, we currently have what's called a mixed economy and I think more um, public ownership uh, is is a, is a good thing, particularly of uh, what we would call natural economies. So, or natural monopolies. 
particularly greater public influence and ownership of um, on natural monopolies. I think um, a certain amount of free enterprises is fine, and you know it works in in some instances. It works to how it's supposed to work, and uh, and but we also see heaps of market failure because of um, you know uh, the social issues and and just um, even environmental issues, of course, which which is a big one. Yeah, look at climate change, for example. Yeah, and um, there's a major market failure. And um, but uh, I, I guess uh, you know in the financial side of things, there's a lag, so that hasn't quite caught up yet. But but the, but they, as in the people promoting to keep going, will will business as usual will uh, soon see their finances will be uh, starting to look a bit dodgy uh, because of um, global warming and, and the effects. Yeah. Yeah, big time, which is why I always find it really interesting to get into the juicy parts of people's, like, I guess, philosophy or headspace towards our economic system, because I, I mean, I'm only 31, but I'm still a bit sceptical that we can make tweaks within the system and it'll still work, because I just see there's just too many opportunities to over-exploit anything, people, animals, resources. Yet natural or finite, both. But <laughs> yeah, love hearing your insights. Thank you. On that note of what you're talking about with some tweaks we could make within our system, it just occurred to me, what do you think we need to do to make a greater understanding of the flaws of our economic system more mainstream in society? Because for the most part, a lot of people are pretty pro-consumerism and I get the yeah, growth-based capitalistic model. What do you think we need to do if there's anything that we can do to make it a more mainstream perspective of seeing the flaws in this in this system? Yeah, interesting that one. Yeah, it's something that puzzles me at times. How how can you tell the truth, explain it and, and even model it and do that? And in fact, here um about 17 years ago, we had the big battle against Woolies. You know, coming in on the, the the bank of the Ovi Creek here, and um, and there was certain and identified then to, to get a message across what that meant. Um, I think I identified about five levels that you can communicate on, and and uh, and I think communicating, identifying those levels, and communicating to each of those levels. So you know, the top level might be pure academic reasoning, um, and the bottom level is almost like kindergarten children's uh, sketchbooks. On on what what's going on, you know, with the platypus swimming away or something like that, and uh, and we do have that, you know. I've got a book actually just sitting on the floor there, uh, Platypus Point by Jill Morris, was based on that, and um, and in between, so there's going to be people who who will connect with certain styles of uh, messaging, and um, and it's being able to present, you know, reasonable. Um, discussion, case studies, arguments within those particular styles, I think is important rather than trying to just use one particular style to, to connect with and engage with people. And, and, and it's a slow process too. I don't think it's sort of, um, oh, you're wrong. That's it. Uh, yeah. And then you get the backs against the wall and so it's all, you know, just blowing one way. No one's listening to each other and, uh, or anything. And, um, but I, so I think it's that, trying to get the level of messaging or appropriate levels of messaging and um, and a gradual uh, chipping away at, at uh, that um, preconceived um, 
knowledge, I say that in inverted commas, <laughs> the preconceived knowledge, <laughs> like almost false news <laughs> in some ways, and uh, the known unknowns, and um, or the unknown unknowns. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that messaging, I think that messaging, and, and being able to do, uh, put them into case studies that people can connect with and, and appreciate and, um, yeah, and understand that, and they can feel part of, and they can see, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They mightn't believe it at first, and they go back to the pub or the work site, and ah, someone convinced them the other way, but keep keep at it, and eventually they might start to talk about it and and, and um, that sort of thing. And, and just even that, yeah, just, just that messaging and, and pitching at various levels and um, connections and particularly using case studies that might, that, that would, connect people feel like that's that's them you know and so i think that's ways of getting change particularly to uh an economy that that will help everyone you know and and i think because the, the, there's probably people around here blokes and women i guess who uh you know aspire to go and work in the mines because mm. they're going to get big money mm. and uh you know everybody that's it you know anything else then they'll listen to false information or other information that justifies that and they'll pick that up and say well that's the truth and um so it's that aspirational they want to be clive palmer you know clive's made all this money uh and you think well clive palmer's one person and so is yeah. twiggy i suppose and um but how many you know how many million others are trying to get that and you only got one so mm. yeah i think there's some unrealistic dreams mm. of um those sorts of people aspiring that way. So therefore want to believe that um, free, free market is totally free market. So way to go, you know, yeah. and uh, you get, you get what you work for sort of attitude and, and uh, yeah. And if you work hard, you're going to get it. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, yeah, just, just, yeah. Just sort of contesting those sorts of attitudes, I think, and identifying them and contesting them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah perfect and in a really sounds like in a really understandable respectful compassionate way like you talking yeah. about different methods of delivery using evidence informed stuff making it meaningful and to different people at different levels and you know having the patience to slowly but yeah. surely going with those conversations yeah and even using language you're talking about compassionate there's um i've studied some non-violent communication mvc compassionate mm -hmm. communication you know the rosenberg mm -hmm. um um, system and um yeah and just just looking at what you think their needs might be rather than their um uh strategies to meet their needs but real needs underlying needs and then how do you um connect with those those uh with them in in regards to those needs and and um how do you um yeah yeah you convince them that those needs can be satisfied in other ways and, uh, so yeah using that mvc context yeah. yeah yeah that that i think that's really important because it's actually getting to the core value as opposed to attacking the theory of it it's getting to yeah. what is it for you that matters yeah um, and if it is you know providing for your family for example that's so mm. fair enough like that is a really reasonable reason to to want to go and work in a place like the mine that um, allows your family to thrive in many ways because of the healthy salary, um, but you can still achieve that end through a different means. Yeah. I have these 
final five friendly, fruitful and frilly fragments, aka five <laughs> questions <laughs> yeah. that I, I really like to ask. The first question, I mean, you have touched on Ross Gino, Thomas Paine, but um, you may have different people in mind. I'm not sure. The question is, would you recommend, what, what would you recommend as one resource, be it book, report, article, documentary, etc., cetera, um, to listeners that you think would be valuable and kind of reflects, I guess, a number of different principles within Nina? Okay. Um, one person I like reading is John Quiggan. So even his uh, zombie economics, it's actually on the shelf here behind me, but um, um, uh, it, it, I think is a really good resource. Um, another one by him is, is uh, titled, um, it's his most recent one is um, Economics in Two Lessons, um, which is a ripoff of um, Economics in One Lesson, which came out in the um, mid-1940s which is what a lot of um, conservative or free market people uh, still quote today. And, and it was why it stuck was it was one of the first books in, on economics written in common language. And basically, and because uh, and he was a journal, economics journal, the guy who wrote it. And um, so he's finally had a go at that and called economics in two lessons, crossed out the one, the title's got two. And uh, so that's also a good one to, to counter those uh, arguments that, you'll see a lot of the libertarians, the free market people um, uh, uh, proposing or, or using. Um, and Frank Stilwell on, on inequality, political economics of uh, inequality. He's from the University of Sydney. And uh, whereas uh, John Quiggins from the University of Queensland. And um, so, yeah, the, um, or the political economy of inequality, I think it's Frank Stilwell. And uh, that, that is really good. But it's a fairly heavy going in, in academic work, but, uh, but it's sort of, um, but yeah, some really good summaries and the way, yeah. And you can even go to the second half of the book and, and uh, miss all the technical bits. And, and that's some really interesting stuff there by, by Frank Stilwell. So um, yeah, there, there are a couple of the influences. Um, even about debt, you know, you could look at the MMT writings uh stephanie uh what's her name um and um uh yeah it's sort of yeah yeah so just just some of the basic concepts of that in, in that about debt and uh, monetary policy uh interesting background to have some knowledge to have uh, not, i'm not promoting mmt in any way but um i'm just um but some of the the principles are great you know some of and just the knowledge that the government of a fit with a fiat currency is a issuer, currency issuer. So mm. um, just having what? that knowledge helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is MMT? What does it stand for? Uh, uh, modern, modern monetary theory. Modern, modern monetary mon theory. money theory. Modern monetary yep. theory is, I think, is the main one. Yeah. Cool. And um, Bill Mitchell is, uh, Professor Bill Mitchell is one of the proponents of that and an author in, uh, from the U University of Newcastle in, in, in New South Wales. Yeah. That's probably good one, good knowledge to have about that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it's great because they were all Aussies as well. Yeah, oh, Stephanie, um, the MMT. What's her, the, the the deficit myth? Her book. She's yeah. American. The others, all the rest are Australian. Yeah, the three yeah. men. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Who is one person that has been an immense source of personal and maybe professional inspiration for you and why? Okay, probably um, from around here, probably uh, Jill Jordan. Now, Jill Jordan, uh, who died about, oh, now about 10 years ago now, um, who was a major mover in cooperatives and, um, and, and community connection and community networks and community development um, in this area. And she's traveled the world to work with people as well in, in developing uh, cooperatives and community. And um, so Jill Jordan uh, was probably a major influence in a number of ways, you know, even just, just her uh, manner and demeanor and uh, way she would work with people. And, um, and she was one of the original 1970s hippies who came moved to Mulaney and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, strong woman, yeah, a strong woman. So she put a few blokes off the wrong way, yeah, but but um, yeah, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, good on her, yeah, yeah. And so uh, probably yeah, Jill Jordan was a major influence, yeah, yeah. I love that. I'll definitely be looking her up. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I'm curious about how you navigate the daily dilemma of, on the one hand you deeply understand how our economy centered on infinite growth and um, yeah, you know, things that you mentioned, how we've had many market failures, how you understand that that's harmful. Um, yet on the other hand, your survival at this stage depends on being part of this system. So I'm just wondering how on a daily basis you reconcile that. Someone said, look, the, the power people have is uh, they can vote and they can uh, spend money so um, mm -hmm. in those contexts. So, um, so I'm careful. I'm probably lucky in, in living here. I'm probably lucky in, in living here in Mulaney. You know, I can shop at locally. I know which businesses are locally owned. Um, so I'll, I'll shop at locally owned businesses. Um, I'll, you know, particularly say co-op or um, the local IGA is locally owned. Um, uh, that sort of thing. So... I'll try and use public transport as much as I can, even just down things like that, even though that be difficult here in the, in the country or you know, the regional areas. And um, yeah, and even talk it up, you know, that, that's why being in co-ops and things is trying to promote it as well, being part of it, you know, promote local ownership and local commerce. And uh, so even just talking to someone, someone's, oh, I'm going to go to Woolies or Aldi and get this and that. And I say, well, I'm going to go to the locally owned one and, whatever you know that, that sort of thing and uh so they're, they're the sort of actions you know or walking around town rather than driving and um uh yeah just just even buying local coffee or uh locally made yogurts or you know that sort of thing and um yeah knowing who the suppliers are and the local farmers and uh so that's really important but i say it's a much luckier being here in a in a country town and that um, you can identify that, that's easier to identify, but I suppose more in the um, more um, suburban or urban areas, you know, there are farmers markets and that sort of thing. And just even talking to people, find out who's from where and, and just um, if you can get to those markets and that type of thing would be what I would be looking for if I was living in Brisbane or further down the coast or something like that. So, but yeah, they're, they're the sorts of things around here. Yeah, that that I do to uh, contribute to a local economy and the resilience in a local economy. 
uh, even the petrol, there's a new service station just come in. So, but I still go to the little old locally owned one. That's it. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I think that that's really important. And even telling people, reminding people occasionally on Facebook or, you know, the local Mulaney chit chat group and, uh, yeah, locally owned business is great, you know, this sort of thing. <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, yeah, Put that into every conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, exactly. How's yeah. work? Have I mentioned how great the yeah. local economy? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, true. And uh, and even oh yeah, and even the other one is the talking about IT stuff, software development, and um, yeah, we all look out for each other and pass on mm. jobs and recommendations and things like that as well. So uh, use local um, designers. You know, if you want graphic design on a website, you're building the the bits that go whiz bang on it and need someone to build the front ends and you, you know who the local people are and um or, or if they're free you know it might be flat out but um that sort of thing and you help people and so we do in, in that work context as well um so not only just in our purchasing and but but in our work context but also oh the other ones is the bush care groups they're pretty popular and you know get heaps of people go to tree plants i remember one time there, we had about planted about three thousand trees in one day, you know, wow. things like that. So hundreds of people yeah. turned up. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so that is uh, what I yeah yeah how I you know participate or think about um, lo the local economy and uh, and to me even tree planting is an economy because it's a, it's an exchange for riparian zone health and creek mm. health because you want to swim in the the water hole mm. down the creek and uh, you want mm. to be clean water or um, you want to be able to get some fruit off the trees or, you know, nuts and things and um, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still an economy. It just there's no cash. doesn't If there's no cash, doesn't mean you say it's not an economy. Definitely an economy, you know, like cook compost under the tree and it gives me back some fruit or veggies and that's an economy as an exchange. So um, even just, just recognising that and, and those exchanges are important. Totally. And redefining what economy can mean to you and really having intentionality behind that. Because as you said, yeah, with let's say planting 3000 trees, it's such a win-win-win situation because yeah, it, it benefits the soil, it benefits the waterways, it benefits community because you're all coming together, it benefits climate because it's capturing carbon, and then it benefits um aesthetically you've got a beautiful tree plantation and you yeah. can now get the benefits of being in nature which is you know there's more and more science coming out that it, it genuinely um benefits our health on a cellular level when we're mm. more surrounded by uh natural systems versus man-made yeah 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 exactly cool. that yeah. was a yeah. solid answer thanks <laughs> gary <laughs> My final two is if you could give one piece of advice to Australia's leading politicians, what would it be? <laughs> Take action on climate change <laughs> and uh, probably uh, introduce a UBI or uh, even at least increase job seeker um, to a livable wage. Um, so that, yeah, oh, I gave you two there, but... <laughs> But certainly, look, look and saying by uh, doing something about climate, taking climate change action, it, 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 there's a lot of underlying problems that you need to fix, and one of those is the economy. So, you know, I mean, that that statement, do some action about climate, it is an overarching one for a lot of other uh, things under it. You, 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 you know, myself and I guess many others believe need fixing.
Good or tweaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I yeah. wonder what colleagues would say to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just take a little moment to dream big. And if all of a sudden you miraculously had infinite time, money and resources to spend only on Nina right now, what would you do? Oh, well, yeah, I'd get into that co-ops hub <laughs> and do a lot more on that. Um, yeah, uh, I would certainly be, um, well, I'd probably join the board <laughs> and be actual and contribute more within that, that um, those groups. But certainly, um, yeah, help organise, uh, you know, workshops and things like that. So probably help organise workshops, be, be a bigger participant in workshops and uh, you know webinars and yeah 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 contribute that way um, yeah helping that yeah yeah helping get getting those going and, and being on an organizing crew for those yeah yeah and if I was to piggyback off that question and ask okay cool you've got three workshops coming up what are your three workshops that you're going to hold uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh well I can uh, um, social enterprise the, the uh contribution to um, uh, community economics resilience, you know, the resilience of it, community economics and, uh, and through social enterprise. Um, the, well, that's one. <laughs> the other one might be uh, financing, you know, how, looking for ideas, it'd be more of a sharing of ideas of how can um, we finance things such as housing? People want to buy a house, you know, what, how would you do a sort of a just or a fair financing and um, ways to do that? You know, look, looking for like the, for example, you know, the simple loan method or things like that, you know, that sort of stuff or partial equity. And so, so therefore a, a workshop, um, yeah, looking at housing. So um, what was the other question? <laughs> How many of those? Uh, yeah, to, no, um, three, three hypothetical workshops. So that was two. Um, yep. The other one might be on, um, uh, yeah, ha yeah, probably, again, still with um, housing and, I guess, land, you know, how, how, how to use land, like, free to roam, how, how does it affect people and, and uh, well-being, you know, how does it affect our society and the, the use of land and, and private ownership versus uh, free to roam type of, scenarios or collective uh common the commons maybe yeah 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 private ownership versus the commons how's that yeah <laughs> how does that yeah, yeah 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 great three workshops i hope you do get the time and opportunity <laughs> to go ahead and run those workshops because i'll be there <laughs> oh great yeah yeah <laughs> thanks i just want to ask a final question that i have just thought of actually I'm just reflecting on your bio and down the very bottom of your bio um, it mentioned that spiritually you're inspired by Dharma Buddhism and I'm just wondering if there's if you can tell us if there's any crossover between the philosophies and maybe values that come from Dharma Buddhism with the I guess your philosophy around building a well-being economy. Yeah, look, sure. Um, I think um, even just the, um, yeah, just the, the radiant abodes, I guess, you know, of, um, of compassion and 
joy and equanimity and uh, loving kindness. Uh, just just understanding the value of those um, four in our um, in 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 having a a community that's peaceful and, and therefore um, um, you know great to be a part of and and so how do you how do you um, so therefore looking at those how do you achieve that through your economy um, well, how does the economy either affect that and um, contribute to uh, each of those you know that that compassion that joy the um, the equanimity and the loving kindness and um, so they're the sorts of I guess the basis of um, of how I would um, plan something or think about or, or develop a concept or an idea um, in fact yeah and, and sort of even in the context of the, the, the five capitals methodology or framework too and, and looking at and framing that in there when you do a, a policy assessment or analysis um, yeah mm -hmm. so that I think that that would be even though there's another book behind me by Shoemaker F. Shoemaker and it's a whole chapter on Buddhist economics in there and uh, yeah uh, Small is Beautiful is, is his book Shoemaker and um, and uh, yeah the, the chapter is I think the chapter you can grab it anyway it's called um, Buddhist economics and um, so I might have to reread haven't read it for years <laughs> I don't have to reread it but um yeah, that, so that's how I think I, um, yeah, well, which gives me the base then to how I think or, or construct, um, you know, what I would, my goals or values, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I like to think about as a little thought experiment, imagine if still within a secular kind of system and not necessarily prescribing, you know, religious views on everybody because we all have the ability to think for ourselves mm. but um having more value-driven policy making you know I wonder if how often when we think of in policy making or even legislation does it encompass for example those five that you mentioned does it promote um yeah love and kindness anyway yeah this has been a really nice chat thank you so much is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to comment on at all um oh no i think we've covered pretty well everything you know like like nina is uh you know just uh, is one avenue that i'm enjoying and and uh to be a part of for, for um people to get together and think and talk and, and chat about the way the economy could could evolve that that then is is going to be um promote the well-being of of all of, for all of us and um which is a good thing yeah it's a very good thing Agree. <laughs> here, here. Yeah. And thank you for all your, all your work with Nina. Thank you for making the commitment last year and, and sticking yeah. with us and having hopes to keep, keep growing within that. I appreciate yeah. it. It's been, um, yeah, it's been really, really nice hearing from you. Uh, you've obviously contributed and continue to contribute really valuable work uh, in, in many different spheres. So um, yeah, just great. Keep it up. All the best. <laughs> And if anybody wanted to reach out to you, where would you direct them? Oh, uh, probably just uh, email or Facebook or any of those. So, um, yeah, yeah, my email is Gary, G-I-R-R-Y, Claridge at gmail.com. Yeah. Too easy. Yeah. Awesome, Gary. <laughs> Thank right you so on. much for your time. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day in sunny Queensland.
Yahoo. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Cheers. Right, Thanks. bye. Bye. So that was Gary Claridge, the co-op secretary of Nina. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, check out the Nina website, neweconomy.org.au, where you can sign up to newsletters, join regular webinars and many other events, join the Facebook page and other social media pages, and, of course, consider becoming a member of Nina to help grow this nationwide momentum towards economic well-being and social progress. Special thank you to the music group Formidable Vegetable for this wicked song currently being played called Yield. Check out Formidable Vegetable at music.formidablevegetable.com.au to hear more of their funky tunes. Thank you again. Till next time. Peace out and take care. One planet, one love. Self, obtain yourself. Obtain yourself.